start out this morning with prayer. Amen? It's always good to start with prayer because we need it, don't we? I know I need it. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Father, that your love covers over a multitude of sins and that your love lays the groundwork for what we can and cannot do. It's because you love us, because you first loved us, that we have any idea how to love other people. And so, Father, as we go through the topic of today, Lord, I'm just reminded that we need love. And I need love. Especially today I need love, Lord. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was told at a very young age, there's two things you do not talk about in polite company. One of them is religion. And I get to do that every Sunday, so that means to me that you're not polite company. I don't know. That's just a takeaway that I might... But the other is politics. What's even worse is when you talk about them both at the same time. So you now see why I began our, the service this morning with prayer about love. Because the possibility today is that I'm going to take everybody off here at one point or another. I have specific personal intercessors who are now praying for me already. That what I'm about to say or not say stays in line with the word of God and with social decorum. Hopefully. Because I know every time I've practiced this sermon so far in the last week, words get said that shouldn't be said. And I just, we'll leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Today, my hope, my desire, is that everything that we talk about, everything I share, is biblical. Because then, if it's biblical and you get mad at me, you can get mad at the Bible, not me. Now, I can't talk about what I'm going to talk about today without at some point in time giving my personal opinion, which at that point I will tell you is my personal opinion, and which is worth pretty much because everybody has one. And if everybody has one, it can't be worth a whole lot to me. That's, that's just what I think anyway. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a slant on things. And, and uh, as I've been working through how I'm going to approach this, I'm pretty much going to be able to tick off everybody if given the opportunity. So, pray for me. You can join the group of intercessors now lifting me up and pray. So let's begin here. So the title this morning is Being Ambassadors. This year we're talking about being ambassadors. Being ambassadors in November. dun 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 Let's start with Romans. It's a great place to start. Scripturally, and Romans just has a lot to say about a lot of stuff. Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. 
Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone that you owe them, or what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Governments exist to control society. Governments exist to control society. That's why governments exist. Governments were God's idea. Because, why? Because we live in a sinful world. And we live in a sinful world that if it doesn't have rules, then men and women, people, will do whatever they want because of their power, their might, their, their smart, whatever, their, their, their intellect, whatever it might be. Might makes right if there is no government. Just because I'm the biggest one in the room, I get to say what happens. Now, now, no, that, that's a good point. Because if you get a bunch of people who don't think that I have the right to do whatever I want because I'm the biggest, then you make a collective decision to say, no, that is not acceptable to live that way. And so you make a, a law or a rule. Laws are made to keep people in check from doing whatever they want whenever they want. See, I'm already getting worked up. Governments exist to control sinful society. Governments exist to legislate morality. Now, I hear this all the time. I've even said it. When making, an, making a point on one side or the other, I'll say, well, you can't legislate morality. Eh, not true. We do it all the time. We always, we, we, we as governments, we as, as the, the governments of the world, make rules all the time legislating. That's what we're legislating, is morality. That's the, there isn't a, a law in the book that isn't trying to control somebody's way of living one way or another. Thou shalt not steal. Is that a good rule? It's a wonderful rule. I hate thieves. I always hated thieves. Even when I used to hang out with thieves, I hated thieves. I did. I, I just admit it. You know, that was the old BC days. I had some friends who were thieves. I'd go over to their house and they'd be working on somebody's radio that they had stole out of their car. And I looked at it and I thought, you're a jerk. Whoa, they do, they're rich. They can, they can buy whatever they want. Hello. 
That's morality saying, I, I get to do whatever I want. No, we, there's rules for that. We have rules against that. Thou shalt not kill. That is a good rule. Especially when it comes to me. Thou shalt not kill me. Yeah, but you can't legislate somebody's morality. Yes, we can. Thou shalt not kill. Do not kill. It's against the law. If you break the law, there are consequences. We legislate morality all the time. So when you get to the finer points of morality, and somebody starts throwing out that line, well, you can't legislate morality. What they're, what they're trying to say is, people are going to do whatever they want to do, no matter what the law is, which is true. People will do what they, people steal, people kill, people do all these things. But that doesn't mean we don't make laws saying they can't. Because if you don't say they can't, that's why the law came into effect, the Mosaic law, was if you don't say you can't, then they'll say, why are you punishing me? There's nothing saying I can't. Why did God say don't eat of that tree? Because if he didn't say don't eat of the tree, they could do anything they wanted anytime. He made a parameter. You can do anything you want, don't eat of the tree. What tree? So the, the, the argument is if you make a law, then people will look to break it. No, they're going to break it anyway. But God is defining what is right and what is wrong because God is moral. There is right and wrong. There is truth and lie. And by defining truth doesn't take away your freedom. By defining truth, God shows you love. Because when he said, don't eat of the tree, he said it because he knew if we ate of the tree that we would understand good and evil and we would die. He was trying to protect us. He was trying to keep us from making a mistake that would cost us our lives. When they made that choice anyway, which set us on a course, it set human beings on a course that we from that day on would have to have governance. Some theologians argue that if they had never fallen in the garden, that there would never be government. I don't know that that's true. Because God said that the, you know, there, there was a husband and a wife. And they were to have dominion over creation. There was government even before sin. But that's, you know, that's a, a deeper, heady theological issue we can get into someday. But just to, for, for, for argument's sake, there was government before sin. But there, there all of a sudden had to be governance over one another because of sin. Before we were governing over creation, now we had to govern over each other. Let... Led, or it is, governments are to legislate morality. So now the question is, whose morality gets to rule? That's the question. Whose morality? My morality, because I'm the biggest and the strongest? Or what's really right and wrong? Because everybody, remember, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. You'd be amazed at the opinions in this room. 
Now, I know most of you, and I've talked to you about some very deep issues. Some of you have strange opinions. That's my opinion, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> if we lived in Paul's time, we would have been subject to Roman rule. Interestingly enough, Jesus, Paul, Peter, all said, respect that authority. Jesus said, give unto Caesar what Caesar's. Because they were trying to trap him. They were trying to say, you know, they were trying to get him to say something against the government so that they could go, oh, see, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, you, you, you know, look at Romans. He's, he's saying to revolt against you. And Jesus says, I'm not falling into that trap. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Paul said, here, submit to authority. Peter, we're going to see in just a moment, says, honor the emperor. Oh my goodness, that is a loaded sentence. It might just say, oh, honor the emperor. You know, honor the president, honor the dictator, honor the governor, whatever. You could just throw it to anybody. But when he says honor the emperor, who was the emperor? The emperor was the one who attacked their land, overtook it, was subjugating everybody, taxing everybody without representation. He was, he was making rules. They, they were imp imposing authoritative rules on people without their own uh, say. And, he was and, and Paul and Peter and Jesus said, do what they say. It wasn't a fair system. It was an oppressive system. It was a foreign system. It was a horrible system to live under, unless you were a Roman. But Jesus wasn't a Roman. Paul was, Peter wasn't. But all three of them agreed, do what they say. Honor them. Jesus didn't stand up in his day and say, unfair, unfair. No, he was too busy preaching, get saved, get saved. Told you I was going to take everybody off here. There's people that are going, he's on my side. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Good, that's where I want you to be. If we were born in Belarus, we would be subject to Lukashenko's rules. His rules are humanism. Man's smart, man's got all the rules. I happen to be the smartest, biggest, most powerful man. I make the rules. And the people who live in Belarus, even the Christians, are to do what? Honor him. Okay, for all fairness, because I know you're all formulating arguments, is there ever a time we stand against the government? Absolutely. Yes. But that's for a whole nother topic when we're not on television. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'd say it on television too. There is time. There are times when we stand against the government. We are given, now I'm going to get ahead of myself. So, if we were in Roman time, we'd be under the emperor's rule. If we were in the Belarus, we'd be under Lake Lukashenko's rule. If you were born in Afghanistan, you would be subject, you'd be expected to live under Sharia law. Is Sharia law a, a fair, equal, wonderful system? No, but it is the law of that land. And so what do Christians, what are Christians supposed to do in that land, in Afghanistan, under that law? 
They are supposed to, those who are Christians, are supposed to exhibit godly lives according to the Word of God as they are expected to do by the Word of God. And if that law, or if that godly principle somehow contradicts Sharia law, then they put their life on the line. But they're still supposed to respect their, their leaders. They're supposed, still supposed to honor them, obey them in every other law. Does that mean that every piece, I mean, Sharia law is tainted, obviously. So is American law, but that's a whole other question. Sharia law is tainted. But there are parts of it that are true. Why? Because truth is truth. No matter how you paint it, if it's true, if it's really true, based on true principles, then it's true. There are parts of Sharia law that are truthful, but there are parts that are ungodly. Absolutely ungodly. As well as in American law, there are parts that are based on truth, and there are some that are ungodly. Just telling you. That's a whole other sermon. We don't live in Rome. We don't live in Belarus. We don't live in Afghanistan. Praise God, we live here. I want to read something that's not biblical, but is very important to us. My apologies to all foreign British families that are here. <laughs> in Congress, July 4, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation." We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the beginning of our declaration of, our, of independence. In there it makes some statements that establish why we were based, why we began, who we are, what is our thought pattern. They were establishing what is our thought pattern for the way we're going to govern our society. And they established it right from the beginning with the words that they used. Our Declaration of Independence was established on the premise that we are subject to the laws of nature and of nature's God. That's how they started. We are subject to the laws of nature and nature's God. And the God they were talking about was Jesus Christ. That's who they were talking about. They weren't talking about anybody else. The laws of nature and nature's God. We know that by the other writings that they wrote, that was what they were doing. Our form of government allows us to participate in the formation of our government. Our government allows us to participate. It even mandates us.
to participate in the formation of our own government. Roman law didn't allow that. It didn't. There was no provision for let's vote Nero in or out this week, month, year, four years. Belarus, Belarusian law does not allow, they say they do, but they really don't, allow for you to be a part of the formation of the government. Sharia law really doesn't care what your opinion is. They're going to choose who's going to be leader the way they're going to choose it, and you don't really get a vote. Here is my opinion. I'm going to tell you when it's my Why do you think democracy doesn't work in Afghanistan, Iraq, all these other countries where we want them to be democratic? Why? Because they're not going from the same basis as we are. They are not coming from the same basis that, that God gives us the rights and God's rule, God's law, governs those rights. They have their own. Humanism. Muslim theocracy. All of these other isms, all these other you know, trains of thought it determined, and if you don't, you cannot base the way we do government on somebody else's base, their, their foundation. Their foundation is not Jesus Christ. The God of nature is not their base. It's their opinion. I'm now back off of my opinion. No, I'm not. Here's also my opinion. Here's where I might start ticking other people off. <sighs> my opinion is that our God-given right to participate in our governance <clears throat> has been turned into a cheap, biannual, fleshy sporting event for profit and for pettiness. Sorry, it is. I am sick and tired of television politics. Sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. It's not godly. I'm, 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 see, here's where I start saying those words, you know, that I was telling you. I, Pray for me. I'm sick of it. He said this and they said that. They have become the guys who wrote the Declaration of Independence could talk. They could think and they could talk and they could express themselves. Now it's all about sound bites and who looks good on television and who doesn't. And who who sounds most like my opinion. Pettiness. Absolute pettiness. I'm now backing away from my opinion. <clears throat> you may like the authorities in government, or you may not like those authorities. That is why we find ourselves in the vortex we are in, because everyone has an opinion. So we as Christians find ourselves with a dilemma. How do we operate as Christians as ambassadors in the situation we are in. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Begin with verse 9. But you are, <clears throat> excuse me, 
You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Let's establish who this is real quick. Who is this talking to? It's talking to the church. It's talking to Christians. It's people who are called by his name. It's saying, you used to not be a people. You used to be scattered all over. But because you have been chosen for his name, because you have chosen to follow him, to, to call him God, to call him Lord of your life, you have now become a people. And because you are a people, you're chosen, you're set apart, you are not like everyone else anymore. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And because of that, you have given up some of your rights. Oh, I know. Nobody told, don't, people usually don't tell people that when they get saved. That, well, you know, you're gonna, if you're going to accept his lordship, there's some things you don't get to do anymore. And one of them is, you don't get to have an opinion. What I mean is, is you don't get to act upon your opinion in a godly, ordained, uh, uh, anointed way. I can have any opinion I want. I, can, I have all kinds of crazy opinions. But I tell you when it's my opinion, I, but I don't get to say, this is our God-ordained opinion, and then put my opinion into it. You're bought with a price. You are no longer your own. You live by a different set of rules. Once you were not a people, but now you, have, you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which, war, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show, show proper respect to everyone. Love the, believer, the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. We don't get to live however we want. We were redeemed out of the world to be His people. To live our lives in such a way that the world around us will recognize that there is a God and He wants them to live in freedom. We are to represent His kingdom's values rather than our opinion. As I was putting this together, praying about it, crying out to God, I kept hearing the same word over and over again. Consistency. Consistency. 
Consistency, what I mean by that in this, position, in this place, is that if you say you believe one thing, then live it. If you say you believe a certain thing, then act like it. And that means every area of your life. That doesn't mean I live a, a, a godly life on Sunday morning, singing the songs, praying, quoting scripture, doing all of those things, and then go home and treat my family however I feel like treating them at the moment. That's called sin. That doesn't mean saying, I am a Christian, I believe these certain set of values, and then telling other people, but my opinion on this matter is this. It doesn't mean that I can hold biblical values and biblical principles and biblical ideals about all of these certain subjects, but then when I go to the polling place, I vote my opinion. That's not what it means. It means we be consistent to who we are. Now, if you think I'm on your side, you might want to be careful. Because I'm not. I don't think there's any one political party who is godly. I don't believe there's one political ideology that is pure. But there are standards by which we make choices, and by making them in any other way other than biblical is sin. We are to represent his kingdom's values rather than our opinion. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. I'm, I'm quoting lots of scriptures and big chunks of it because I don't want to take stuff out of context and I want you to see the biblical point, not my opinion. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, because of my name, or because, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for at the same time, they, or in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, how do we conduct ourselves, or how we conduct ourselves, must reflect his kingdom and his morality. We're not to say, this is what I believe, but I'm going to act this way. If I did that on a Sunday morning, if I said, it is unbiblical to commit adultery, 
It is unbiblical for anyone to commit adultery, but especially a pastor. If a pastor commits adultery and has an extramarital affair with someone other than his wife, I believe, according to Scripture, they should lose their job immediately. That is a scriptural stance. And then this week, if I go out and have an adulterous affair on my, against my wife, and then come to you and go, yeah, but there's grace. Yeah, I understand what I said last week, but there's love. There's mercy. We live in a day of grace. What would you call me? Do we live in a day of grace and a day of mercy and a day of... Yeah, but you guys, you know, the Bible says that you should not judge others. With the measure that you judge, it'll be judged back on you. How dare you judge me for things that... Because Jesus said, if you think it in your heart, you've already done it. So who makes you, who gives you the right to be my judge? Oh, no. Some of you are going, oh, crap, oh, crud. What's going on? I, ooh, ah, he's right. That is scriptural, isn't it? I don't care what, how, I, how I make it sound. What I did was wrong. It doesn't matter what you did. I keep pointing to him. I'm sure he's pure and holy and doesn't done anything wrong. Wait, here's Ashley. I'll point at her. I don't care what she's done. It doesn't make what I've done wrong, uh, right. Right is right, wrong is wrong, truth is truth. It doesn't matter how you spin it. Sick of spin. Sick of, that's my opinion, sorry. <laughs> truth is truth, right is right, life is life, death is death. Sin is sin. Righteousness is righteousness. And by in trying to, in the Bible, you know, God warned us that in the last days they'll try to call truth a lie and light dark. So how we conduct our life, ourselves must reflect his kingdom and his morality. We have the privilege to elect those who form and execute the laws of our land. Laws are the foundation of any government. Whether law is based upon moral absolutes or changing consensus or totalitarian whim is of crucial importance. It matters who makes our laws. Because whoever makes the laws has the power. And how they choose to make those laws, what they base those laws upon, directly reflects the people who are voting. So if Christians vote like heathens, Our duty is to elect people who will establish laws that reflect biblical morality. Our duty is to elect people who will establish laws that reflect biblical morality. Now, if all Christians voted Christian-like, 
and all the votes were counted, and they elect someone who bases the laws that they make on some, something else other than biblical, you know what? It's the way our government works. It stinks, but it's the way it works. But if Christians don't vote Christian-like, and it passes that the person who gets to make the law doesn't base the way they make decisions, make laws based, they, they can base it on whatever they want, then whose fault is it? It's ours. It's the system we have. I praise God a bunch. I can't say every day, I can't even say every year, but I praise God a bunch that we are living under this system because we get a say. I get one vote. Deb gets one vote. We have a friend who lives in Chicago. They get four votes, I'm pretty sure, but that's a whole other question. <laughs> that's my opinion, yes, thank you. <laughs> I have a dead friend who lives in Chicago that gets ten votes, but that's all. See, you've got to bring humor into this, otherwise you start swearing. You really do. I'm just telling you. It just it adds levity. It just helps. It helps me because I'm going to get through this without saying the words my wife said I can't say. Our duty is to elect people who will establish laws that reflect biblical morality. Let's just pick two topics, any two topics. Let's just pick two topics that are talk, have a biblical morale. Hmm, what should we pick? Hmm, oh, I know. Let's pick abortion. Psalm chapter 22, verse 10 says, From birth I was cast on you, from my mother's womb, you have been my God. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Psalm 139, 13. For you created my innermost, inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. It is killing a human being. I had all kinds of things I wanted to say and do this morning, one of them, and I probably should have. You know, now, that I'm, now I'm here at this point. I, I, I had better judgment before, but now I don't have better judgment. <laughs> Somebody posted on Facebook yesterday this image. On one side of the image was that of a single-celled animal, some amoeba or whatever. And they said, if scientists found this on Mars, they would declare that there is life on Mars. A single-cell amoeba. But on earth, they show a picture of a baby in the womb. They say that this is not life. So I can only say consistency. <coughs> Killing a child at any time, in or out of the womb, is murder. Is murder. And who decides, according to the United States Constitution, Constitution, whether we can murder children in the womb or not? And Congress, and the President, and if it ever got that far, our own state representatives, because if they had to change the, the Constitution, it would have to come and be ratified. It is the governmental rulers who decide. And so if there is a single governmental ruler who believes that it's okay for at any time to kill a child in the womb or outside of the womb, they're murderers. Amen. 
And for anyone who votes, for anyone who believes that you should be able to kill a child inside the womb or outside of the womb, you are, imp- you are, oh, see, here's what I, <clears throat> you are an accessory to murder. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Let me back up for one second because we need to establish this. Does God hate people who have had abortions? Absolutely not. That is one of the, 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 the tools, one of the tactics from the pit of hell that, that people have tried to use against Christians to say, oh, well, you're saying that God hates people. I have some very good friends. I have relatives who have had abortions, and God loves them. He loves them. He loves them. He loves them. He loves them. I am not preaching hate. I am preaching love. God loves the doctors who perform the abortions. He hates their sin. This is not about spinning this somehow where you're pointing fingers at somebody. Absolutely not. God loves you. He forgives you. Praise God, he forgave me for all the crud I did as a, as a, as a human being. Which is no better than what, or no worse, or no better than what anybody else has done. He loves us. That's not what we're talking about here. But he hates murder. And he hates murdering the, the innocent. And for a Christian to vote for anyone who is, and I'm, I don't care, you know both parties have people in it who believe that abortion is okay to, to if anybody votes for a Republican who, who, who uh, votes in any way, shape, or form to, to, to continue abortion, they're accessories to murder. That's going to be strong today. It's time for the church to be the church in every area, in our bedrooms and outside of our bedrooms in our workplaces, in our communities, in the voting booth. It is time for us to be who God's called us to be. It's because we haven't been who God's called us to be is the exact reason we're where we are today. If you lived in Afghanistan, you wouldn't get a vote on whether there'd be abortion or not. It's none of your business. Because their government is set up in such a way that it does it's none of your business. If you were in China, it's none of your business. If you're in Rome, it's none of your business. In America, we have the privilege, because our government is set up this way, that we get a say. It is your business. It is your responsibility. And I'm not talking about one one, uh, party over another. Because like I said, there are party members in both parties that believe in abortion, and there's party members in both parties that don't believe in abortion, that aren't for abortion. So it's not about a party line. It's about truth. Let's pick another subject. Let's pick an easier one, a more gentle one. Let's talk about marriage. Genesis chapter, my wife is laughing. <laughs> no, she's cringing. Uh, she's, she's doing both at the same time, yes. She's laughing out of nervousness. Marriage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible also says that God hates liars. Do you know that? Hates lying. So last week when I said I'd get you out of here early, 
I wasn't lying, I was mistaken. Okay, I was just, I was... I hate spin, right? But this is important. I apologize. This is important. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Praise God. I've said this before. I'll say it every time I read it. Praise God he did not pick our helpmate men out of one of the animals of the earth. <laughs> Whoa, baby, check out the hippo. Let's go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that was opinion, yes. Verse 21, so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a man from the rib he had taken out of the man. Pardon? What did I say? I said it on purpose. Why? Because I was hoping that he would go, wait a second! It didn't say he took a man, and, or he didn't create a man out of the rib. He made a? Thank you. Let me restate that for the television. He took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. not my opinion. It's biblical. Marriage was established before there was a man and a woman as a man and a woman. It's pure and simple. For those that live in, a, in Minnesota, we get to vote. And for those in Wisconsin, thank you, thank you, thank you for the way you voted. Because in Wisconsin, they've already passed this law. They've already made it a part of the Constitution of the state of Wisconsin. In Minnesota, we have an opportunity this year to establish, for the record, once and for all, for our Constitution, that marriage is between one man and one woman. Now, you can have any opinion you want, personally, about homosexuality, homosexual relationships, homosexual couples, any opinion you want, I don't care. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter what my opinion is. I have many friends who are homosexual. I really care for these people. I don't hate them. I'm not afraid of them. I love them. Some of them are very good, very close friends. Very good friends. Have been for years. And they know that I love them. Because we've had conversations. I don't agree with them. I don't like what they're doing, but it doesn't reflect on them as people, as, as, as how I feel about them as a human being. 
But as we established from the very beginning, government's responsibility is to establish the rule of law according to nature and nature's God on how we are to live our lives. And it is very clearly, I could show you all the scriptures, I mean, I, we could take all afternoon here. You could, if you want to write them down, 1 Timothy 1, chapter, or chapter 1, 9 through 11. 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11. Romans 1, 21 through 24. No, 25. Probably further than that. Many other places, both Old and New Testament. God hates homosexuality. Homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. He loves people. And if they happen to be homosexual, he loves them. He doesn't want them to, to be, to be uh, destroyed. He doesn't want them to suffer. But that doesn't change the fact that homosexuality is a sin. God hates sin. But he still loves you. God hates murder. I don't know if any of you have killed anybody. If you have, he loves you. But it doesn't change the fact that homosexuality is a sin. And we, because of our government, have the right to make a statement that it will not be the rule of law that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. And from a biblical point of view, consistency, how you vote is important. Now, consistency. Consistency. A lot of people are, are wanting pastors to endorse one political party or another, one candidate or another. I won't do it. I'm just going to tell oh, I can. I can. I don't care what the government says anymore. If I, if I feel that it's a biblical statement, I'll say it. I don't, you know, I don't care what, the, what our tax exempt, they can have our tax exempt. You guys will still give even though you don't get your money back, right? Oh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I'm willing to take the chance, okay? I'm tired, of what, I'm, I'm tired of the government telling me I can and can't do something that is my inalienable right as a human being. But, I'm also not going to endorse a candidate. I know who I'm voting for. You take what the Bible says and you make your choice according to biblical standards. That's my, that's my encouragement. Because, this was the other verse that was going through my heart a lot this last week, which was pretty scary. Is that we'll be judged for every idle word we speak. That's what the Bible says. Every idle word. I mean, so those things I said last night, guys... Or the things I said last week, or you know, those, just those flippant things where I you know, made a statement. I'm going to be judged for that. How much do you think we'll be judged for how we vote on something that matters? <laughs> Biblical. God-based, word-based decisions. Now, here's the thing. I won't endorse one party over another because the Republicans have ticked me off just as much, not quite as much as Democrats, but just as much as Democrats. And I'll tell you why. Here's my opinion. Here's my opinion. 
2000, 12 years ago, we were told, vote for this man, vote, vote for George W. Bush because he's a, he's a Christian. And he got into power, did any, and he had the presidency, he had the Congress, and he had the Senate. Did anything change on abortion during the eight years, or during those first four years when he had that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. When I saw that, I thought, you don't even, he didn't even try. He didn't even try. If that was his conviction, and he's going to be judged for it, then you do something about it. You've got to try. The war in Iraq, Afghanistan, all these places. Do I personally think we should have been there? Probably yes. But I also think we should be in Africa then. If that's our standard, because people were being tortured, because people were being, their rights were being taken away, because people are being, are being uh, uh, oppressed by their government, then we should be in most countries in Africa. Because there are little kids getting their hands and feet chopped off. There are children who are forced to kill their parents because of people who are governing over them. If we're not in there doing that, we have no right being anywhere else if we won't go into there. That's my opinion. Should we be in there? Absolutely. In a second. Why aren't we there? Because they're not important to us. That's what we're saying as a, as a country, is those kids aren't important to us. That's honesty. And that's consistency at its, at its base level. It's not fun, but it's true. There isn't one part. They're all, it's, this is bankrupt. The way our system is run. But you know what? I don't want it to get any more Bankrupt. Our choices is the lesser of two evils. But as a very good friend of mine once said, the lesser of two evils is still evil. But you know what? It's lesser than the other evil. Well, that's right. I wasn't going to share my opinion. It's our responsibility to vote. Because we're Americans. We get that right. We get that responsibility. If you don't vote, you're voting. Do you know that on the marriage amendment, that if you don't vote on the marriage amendment, do you know what your vote is? It's no. You're against the marriage amendment. The only, if you vote at all, about anything. If you vote for one person on one race, doesn't matter if it's the county commissioner or whatever, you leave everything else blank and you leave the marriage amendment blank, it is a no vote. It's a vote against the marriage amendment. The only way it's a vote, yes, is if you vote. Or don't vote at all in any way, shape, or form. It's still not a vote yes then at that point. That's just a public service announcement. That's not a political statement. That's just a public service announcement. All right, so how do you finish something like this? How do you wind it down? <laughs> you don't wind it down, actually. You just keep winding it up. We are to be 
who God's called us to be. Be consistent. Everybody say consistent. Consistent Consistent with what? The Bible. Consistent with my opinion? My opinion's worth one vote. Be consistent with the Word of God. If you're not consistent, you know, we could talk about all kinds of subjects. You know, we could talk about social issues, we could talk about economic issues, we could throw all these, we could banter, they do it all day long. And you know what? It all comes down to consistency. If you believe that the government should have no say whatsoever in taking your money and giving it to somebody else that they think deserves it, if you don't think we should be taxed for all these extra programs and all these entitlements and everything like that, then you would darn better well be giving to the poor. You would better be active in helping the fatherless and the, and the downtrodden and the, because that's what the Bible says, we're supposed to care for other people. I believe that the government should have never been a part of it. The church let them usurp our responsibility. Way back when. That was again my opinion. I'm going to stop. It's the truth, but it's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's stand. Father, let my words fall to the ground. But Lord, I pray that your word accomplishes everything that it was set forth to do. That your word receives full hearing in every year that it was meant for. That your word carries the full anointing of your word. And that it changes the hearts and and wills of men. Father, I pray for America. I pray for our future and for our children's future. And I pray, Father, for mercy on this nation. Father, forgive us. Forgive us where we have failed. Forgive us where we have just been playing the game. Forgive us, Father, for not counting important what you count important. And I pray, Father, that you win, that your kingdom wins according to your plan, according to your purpose. Father, we yield to you. You know. You know. And your word says that you raise up kings and take down others. And so, Father, your will be done. On earth, in our lives, in our homes, and in the ballots this year. Jesus' name, amen. God bless.